conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. My septum may be deviated, but my taste never swerves. I play for both teams and I always win. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. It's <laughs> Andy's Girls. It's episode 181. Wow. Which 
makes me a little nauseous. <laughs> but here we are. Um, guys, so much is going on, and I just have to welcome a new guest first and foremost to the People's People's Couch. She is the Vice Life Deputy Editor. She is the author of the just released amazing book that I'm 100% going to be reading this week, The Art of Showing Up, How to Be There for Yourself and Your People. And she has gone viral in the best possible way in the <laughs> community this week for a piece that she wrote in Vice about the Real Housewives of Potomac, which I'm so excited to unpack with her guys it's none other than rachel wilkerson miller rachel welcome to andy's girl thank you so much for having me it's thrilling to be here oh my god it's thrilling to have you and i have to say so listen i've had an interesting morning <laughs> i fell tripped whatever plied over a box of snacklins paleo snack chips a couple weeks ago landed on my face new mid-air this wasn't gonna be good like it was the slowest <laughs> drop where I was like oh my god this is not good this is not good was holding a laptop a mug and a glass of water <laughs> at the time and literally landed on my face. So I have seen my dentist, shout out to Dr. Muhammad, always a joy. He's an angel from heaven. And my new ENT twice, including today, where he said, cool, cool, cool. Um, you may want to talk to a plastic surgeon. Wow. And I said, cool. Um, and we had this whole deep down discussion about my nose and he was like, so what's the difference? Blah, blah, blah. And I had to essentially say like, okay, <laughs> I am Jewish. I have grown up spending hours at a time examining my profile, dealing with anti-Semitic comments from people when I was little, like literally everything. I was like, I have my grandmother's nose and I no longer see Jean Schmalowitz on my face. And that's a problem. So we literally had, I've had an interesting morning. I did feel a little bit like a housewife in the sense of, okay, I guess this is the new fun journey for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Possibly. But I left that thinking, okay, this is interesting. I'm so excited to put away <laughs> the joy of thinking about will insurance cover my schnoz and to sit down and talk with you because I, you know, left the doctor's office and was thinking about recording this episode with you and read again your amazing piece for Vice unpacking what has been going on and the journey of what's happening on Potomac through the lens of unpacking really respectability politics. And um, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I just want to know a little bit more about your journey, I would have to say. And you know, your approach to Housewives, which franchises you watch when you started watching the Housewives, if you remember, and hearing a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So I am a very new consumer of Housewives and reality TV in general. That's like the mm -hmm. biggest thing that has changed about me in sort of a, in a light and fun way this year in 2020. Um, so it's it started with Selling Sunset and that like unlocked something for me oh, <laughs> that I was like, oh, I get God. it now. I see. Yeah. I see why this is a thing. Yes. Um, so that was great. And then a friend of mine, Terry Post, who I used to work with at BuzzFeed, who loves all things reality and Bravo, made mm -hmm. a Google Doc for me and anyone who wants it. That's basically like a beginner's guide to Bravo, like where to start. <gasps> 
Oh my god, I love. Isn't it great? That. So she wrote like all the shows she loves, and then put in details of like start with this season and like skip this one, and like this mm-hmm. one has like queer characters, just our mm-hmm. cast members, like all of these details that were really helpful. So um, mm-hmm. we did a little bit of uh, Southern Charm. I'm like blanking. That's the name of it, right? Uh, yeah, but, interesting show to start with. Yeah, did you start with Here's, Southern Charm. We, was that a recommendation? It wasn't. The thing about Southern Charm is that it was always playing at the salon where my girlfriend and I would get our nails done. And so we were kind of familiar with it because we would just sit there watching it with oh. captions on, like transfixed by mm-hmm. this show that we knew nothing about and mm-hmm. just sort of the bizarre amount of trauma that just sort of filters in. And you're like, wait, mm-hmm. are you see what is happening right now? So we mm-hmm. put that on here and there when we were packing because we moved this summer. So we just were like, let's just throw that on. And then after mm-hmm. a little bit of, uh, you know, a couple seasons of it, it started to feel too icky and just kind of like, mm. I like I don't feel good about watching this anymore. So yeah. um, we finally started Potomac maybe, I don't know, a month, six weeks ago. We haven't been watching it for that long. We've just been going what? through it so fast because we just got so into it. So we started with season two, caught, got caught up, and then went back and watched season one. Wow, that's so interesting that you started with season two. I was about to say Mm -hmm. season one might be of interest to you. And the fact that you caught up with it is great. Do you watch any of the other franchises or are you staying sort of, you know, going straight ahead with Potomac and having that be your singular focus when it comes to Housewife Free? We started New York also at Terry's recommendation with season three, watched that and then skipped four because we were told it wasn't very good. And now we're watching (gasps) five. I have to say, so you're bringing <laughs> up a real sensitive point in oh, the no. community, <laughs> which is, no, this is good because a lot of people do what you're doing and God bless everyone has their own journey as a mm-hmm. Bravo-holic, bravo view, or whatever. <laughs> the idea of skipping seasons specific to Housewives is a tough topic just in the sense that, for example, season three in New York starts with a bang this um you know out of nowhere from besties to enemies (laughs) style plot point with bethany and jill Mm -hmm. and regardless of how many flashbacks they do starting with their journey season one which is historic not only because of you know Bethany's triumphs in many ways and successes um, because of the Housewives, but also because the Housewives franchise hadn't actually discovered itself yet. Mm, It was still mm -hmm. figuring out what this was. New York started as Manhattan Moms. It wasn't even initially conceived as a Housewives show, Mm -hmm. nor, as you said, in your piece was Potomac. Right, right, right. Um, So watching these women find each other, find fame, find celebrity and kind of tussle with it in many Mm -hmm. ways is to me very interesting. So I would highly encourage one and two okay. of of New York, especially because of the lead up, because you see how much love there is mm-hmm. between Bethany and Jill and uh, watching that all kind of combust in front of our eyes, especially it appears without Bethany even really realizing season yeah. three is something. Okay. Um, you know, New York has had some difficult seasons. Uh, some people would say the Aviva seasons aren't great. This mm-hmm. most recent season was really tough, I think, for many people. But it is also overall a spectacular franchise. Yeah. So I'm excited for you to hopefully come back on Andy's Girls when you've watched a few more yeah, seasons. Yeah, I would, would love, love to. your thoughts on Leah, mm-hmm. um, who's a new housewife. Mm-hmm. Have you been following at all? 
what has been going on with Housewives, regardless of whether or not you watch the franchise. For example, Bethany, whatever Bethany has been saying about like Cardi B this week. I did not see that. Um, I like okay. it kind of depends on what the controversy is. I'll like dip in and out. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I watched like an Instagram story about like where all the Housewives stand on Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd yes. protests over the summer, which was fascinating. And that was like, I didn't know who mm-hmm. any of them were at the time, but like it was That's just still really best. interesting to see. So yeah, um, yeah, I like dip in and out. So I haven't seen the, the Cardi B controversy, but I've seen the Kelly Dodd stuff going around and have figured out and, and like watch the new season trailer and kind of have an idea of what's going on there. And I'm also excited to start Salt Lake City. <gasps> Salt Lake City looks so good. And I feel like there was a collective what when they announced Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And the more we've heard about it, the more I'm like, sometimes, not always, sometimes Bravo knows best. Yeah. Like it, the women, the characters, <laughs> the old school dynasty esque, but like on a snowboard <laughs> style. <laughs> yeah. Craziness looks wild. What were your thoughts when you walked, the, watched the trailer? Well, I have been real. I actually thought that would be my first ever franchise when I heard about Mm. it like a couple years ago because Mm -hmm. as a lover of blogs for many years I know Mm. that the best blogs come from Utah like there's so many good blogs out there and lifestyle blogs and there's so many just sort of these wealthy moms and and rich people whose families I cannot look away from so Mm -hmm. I was like oh this is going to be the one that I get into this is my dream and then the the trailer totally delivered but not it like went in a totally different direction than I would have expected, which makes it even more exciting. And I'm like, I'm also just excited to get in on the ground floor for the first time and be watching in real time because that hasn't really happened yet. So I think that'll be great. Oh, my God, that'll be so great. And you can participate in the conversations. I mean, the the foundation of the Bravo community really is in many ways Bravoholics. Mm -hmm. So watching what people's responses are in real time and how they pull, you know, memes or videos or whatever in from various pop culture references Mm -hmm. is really um, quite spectacular. Um, So noting that you are now deep into Potomac, fully caught up with Potomac, I mean, I just I have so much to ask you. And I feel like, you know, I reread your piece in Vice, which is extraordinary. And I'll link to it in the show notes so people can read it um, immediately after listening to this episode (laughs) and liking Andy's Girls Five Stars on iTunes. But um, it was so great because I feel for myself, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier when I was talking about your um, article, is that sometimes I... I feel frustration and I feel confused sometimes and angry, but I don't know how to best articulate why. And because I don't live in this world as a woman of color, as a black woman, when it comes to these women talking about race, racism, you know, reactions to a moment and altercation that was obviously upsetting for so many, but watching how they spoke about their experiences and almost like lecturing mm-hmm, Monique mm-hmm. about their frustration with her behavior, which was almost unrelated to the actual physical altercation mm-hmm. itself and more related to the lens in which people might view it. Mm-hmm is I'm guessing a very different experience for me as a white Bravoholic who doesn't necessarily 
know the language or have an example of it from my own life to speak about. But I knew that it was it like flagged in my head. Right, totally. I think a lot of people have that reaction. Right. I felt uncomfortable about it. So what was your sort of path, you know, new to housewives, picking Potomac, which is such a great choice, I have to tell you. Um, I think most people would say, you know, arguably the best overall housewives franchise on Bravo of any of them um, with a, a season that will go down in the history books. But um, so what was your reaction even before you decided to start writing the piece as someone new to the Bravo world watching this scene play out? Well, so I had been kind of like waiting for, I mean, we all saw the trailer for this season Mm -hmm. and we're waiting for it, but the trailer starts with that voiceover of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Karen saying, this is the thing we've been trying to avoid. It's, it's, it's Karen and then Giselle. It's like, this is the thing we've been trying to avoid for five years. We've never had a thing like this happen. And then it's, you know, we've been avoiding the stereotype and in 30 seconds, she took it all away. And like setting Mm -hmm. aside just like the shock of like, what's going to happen this season. I was immediately like this is going to happen this season. Like that's the reaction to something that happens this season. So I was Mm -hmm. kind of like waiting for that reaction and sort of like had I like, I don't believe my ears moment. Like surely this can't be what it sounds like. Like that can't Mm -hmm. be what's happening, you know? And then it was like, they did a lot of foreshadowing of where this was going to go. And it was a bummer to figure out, okay, it was Monique, which I was hoping was sort of like a misdirect from the, from the trailer. And Mm -hmm. then then it was like, oh, yeah, no, this is actually, you know, the stuff that they are saying in the trailer is not just a little bit of a, a, it's not a snippet, like the whole conversation in that aftermath episode was that. So I was like, kind of waiting for it and thinking like, oh, well, maybe it's just going to be that. And like, there's not going to be anything to write about here, because it's not going to actually sort of deliver on this thing that I'm worried about. And then it just went even further than I even expected. I was really Mm -hmm. surprised. And, you know, you've just released this book talking a lot about how to find true and lasting, like, self-care, right? And how your relationships and, unfortunately, like, sometimes triggers play into the obstacle of living, I would even say, like, right now, the goal is like a stable life, you know, where you don't feel like you're walking through a myriad of triggers on Mm -hmm. your way to brunch or pretending that brunch is still a thing. Rest in peace. Um, So how does that interest, which it sounds like is one that you've been interested in a while, you know, thinking about the dynamics of relationships play into how you've, um, appreciated and watched Potomac, which is a franchise unlike any other in that it is truly invested in unpacking the relationships between these women, whether mm-hmm. they are positive or toxic. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of why I have been enjoying the shows that I've watched Selling Sunset and even Southern Charm as well, because like they are ultimately this group dynamic on display and you get to see how people interact with each other. And like it's under the guise of friendship and it's so clear in many of these shows that they're not really friends, that they wouldn't be friends, that like the solution to a lot of the problems is to just go your separate ways and be fine with it. Mm -hmm. But it's like because they don't have that option, it's a little bit more like coworkers or family where you're sort of continually forced to be with these people and like Mm -hmm. a lot of the conflict resolution options are not available because you can't just 
you can't be done with this person. You can't easily, or you can. I mean, that's what happened with with Jill and Bethany, right? But it like was a lot more difficult, I think, because they couldn't exactly avoid each other. So mm-hmm. I think it's super interesting to see how people deal with, you know, hearing a rumor or being upset with something that somebody did, because so often they don't do the the thing that I would hope to see, which is just addressing it and saying, hey, I heard you said this, what's the deal? But the thing about Potomac that I really like is on the whole, they actually do a better job of that than I would expect in kind of what I've seen on other the other shows that I've watched, um, mm-hmm. like non-housewife shows where, you know, somebody will they they might go at it for a bit, but then oftentimes somebody will be like, you're right, I'm sorry. And then it's like, everyone's like, cool, let's move on. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is actually more realistic, I think, to how mm-hmm. a lot of relationships are or how they should be, that people hear each other out. They maybe get defensive at first, but they ultimately take responsibility. And then once they've done that, they move on, which to me is really great to see. So I really like that about them, that a lot of the relationships and friendships are real and genuine, but the ones that like are more strained, there's still some level of respect and some level of like reality to it. And to me, in the way that they they interact with each other, I agree. I think that there's a weight to the relationships in Potomac, and it's strange to use the word real reality when you're talking about reality TV. And yet, it's still that doesn't negate the fact that it is still true. You know, mm-hmm. like that it does still feel real and with Monique and Candace you know there's a reason that Monique didn't come for in my opinion Giselle or Mm -hmm. Sharice to the extent that she did Candace because I think Monique felt betrayed by Candace she expected something more of her and the example that you've brought up with Jill and Bethany is interesting to me because with Jill and Bethany Jill felt betrayed maybe potentially on a little bit more of a superficial level Mm -hmm. because she felt like she wasn't getting credited enough for Bethany's burgeoning success and wanted to be involved more with bookings or whatever else or just felt wanted to feel more appreciated. And the way that she translated that was almost to stage like a surprise attack on her friend now foe during filming where she Mm -hmm. was casting a light on the fact that I am going to say to the world right now that you weren't a friend to me. And I'm almost essentially going to use my husband's illness as a way to cast a light on you. And that is the way that I'm going to seek revenge. Like regardless of my hurt and frustration, which I'm sure is based in reality in Mm -hmm. Jill's head, the way that she used and tried to manipulate production into making a storyline of how Bethany was a bad friend is a lot more manufactured. Also noting this was many more years ago than what we're seeing on Potomac, which is much more layered and has a much more, again, realistic foundation because of the fact that many of these women have known each other for many years, Mm -hmm. Giselle, Robin, Giselle, Karen, And even with Monique and Candace, who haven't known each other as long, surely, it feels like the reactions that they're having, even if it gets to the point of a physical altercation, are not because of the cameras. You know, like the initial manipulation, what what Monique has said that Giselle and um, Sharice and Candace were talking about the idea 
that, uh, you know, uh, Giselle has tried to reference on camera that maybe Monique was having an affair with her trainer. Monique has said publicly that that actually was something she sort of made up on the spot. The real rumor that they were talking about or strategizing was that Monique had an affair with her trainer, which produced Mm. a child that may not be Chris's. Um, And so while there is an element there of strategy of how we're going to harm this person on camera, it feels like the result of that feels a lot more real and sort of has nothing to do with the cameras. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's one of, yes, it makes perfect sense that like the, especially because you saw Monique go out of her way to not have this on camera, to like, to not reference it on camera because Mm -hmm. she knew by doing so she was introducing it and like there was no way to talk about it and not talk about the thing. And she tried and then it's, it's sort of, um, you know, crazy how it just blew up in her face by making it worse in that way but that wasn't her intention like she really didn't want this to be the plot and so Mm -hmm. and I don't know that production necessarily did either it sounds like they may have you know sort of resisted the opportunity to let Monique's friend you know plant this rumor and kind of seed it so it's I think that no one necessarily wanted this to be the plot of this Mm -hmm. or not not everyone did by by all means I mean can I ask you a really unfair question? <laughs> sure. Which is, it's a question that, you know, I've talked about with former guest co-hosts and it's become so much more complicated and nuanced, I would say, in the last couple of weeks. But watching what has taken place and obviously the divide between the casts, where do you find yourself empathizing most? You know, I would use the phrase, whose side are you on? Which I still do <laughs> on Instagram. But um, when you look at Monique v. Candace, which is feels like right now it's almost like Monique v. The World. Yeah. Um, Where do you find yourself empathizing? You know, who do you find yourself empathizing with the most? Where do you find yourself as, um, you know, a potential teammate? I have a lot of empathy for Monique in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I have had empathy for Candace in other situations, but less so this one. So... Uh, I think it was was it season three or four when she was you know with the the knife fight uh, like that four. was one where mm-hmm. where she was absolutely the instigator and the aggressor but like you could still see all the other stuff going on in her life and kind of like mm-hmm. understand that maybe there was more to it and, and I don't really feel like that was necessarily the case this season with her mm-hmm. so like I feel I I it. <sighs> I feel empathy for her for other things less than this, um, particularly because of how she's handling it and all. And, and just watching all of these episodes and seeing how they both are over time, um, it's I, – I, I do not – like, I understand objectively that what Monique did is wrong, but I, I do think some of the – like I, I've been reading a ton of like sort of the both sides of it and reading what people think because I'm just sort of like I I think a lot of people are just like Monique is done like putting your hands on somebody is too far and I'm trying to understand where they're coming from because I don't feel as strongly about it and I think where I kind of land is you know no one was hurt this like is is this the worst thing that's ever happened is this as big of a deal as as some are making it out to be like I don't I think that I think that Giselle is making it sound like a way bigger deal than it is and that she thinks it is. You know, like, I don't think she's actually scared. I don't think she needed personal security there. I don't think most people would agree <laughs> with that. Um, so I, 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 it's it's really murky, but I think ultimately I feel a lot of sympathy for Monique because of the things I've, I've sort of picked up on coming from her over the years. And I feel a lot of frustration with Candace for how she's treated 
pretty much everyone on the show over the years and and been really unrepentant about it and really really nasty in, in ways that like she will not reckon with you know like I, I I tweeted this but one of the things that we didn't have room to keep in my article and, and cut was how she had referred to Ashley as a bed wench and her husband as an overseer and a roach calling Ashley a roach and that's so ugly and so fraught and loaded in this way that I'm like is that is anyone gonna like grapple with that in a meaningful way like what is going on with her and, and why is she lashing out in this way and and the, the sort of the tone and the tenor of the way that she reacts when she gets angry really takes me aback every time I see it. And, you know, I, I said multiple times when we were watching this season um, when she's planning her wedding, like, gosh, I really feel for her. Like the relationship with her mother seems so tough. Mm. It is completely understandable that like that would mess with you in ways that like I was like I'm so glad she's going to therapy like that seems mm-hmm. necessary like I'm really I was rooting for her and to some degree I still am because I can see how her relationship with her mom is probably still a problem but it's also mm-hmm. frustrating to then watch her get her you know turn around and sort of uh, I don't want to say play the victim because she was the victim in the situation but there's something about the way she reacted to this it doesn't really and the way she reacts to a lot of things it doesn't really sit right with me so I I recognize that's not the most popular opinion and like I'm really trying to unpack it and look at it from every angle. Um, but there's also a read of it where it's just like Monique just Monique was put her hands on her and like that's, you know, that's too far and like that's the end of it. Like I can totally see how people land there. Do you think that Candace was provoking her that night? I do. I think that it wasn't as much as she's provoked her in the past, but you know, she she was just being obnoxious. Like she was being obnoxious, and I don't think she was provoking her to get hit. I don't know if she knew why she was doing it, but like she, it was kind of her old tricks that she does often, and maybe not to the extent that she's done them in the past. Um, so, like, was this more or less justified than other times would it would have been? I don't know. It seems like it was everything all at once, kind of happening. Just everything went wrong that night, um, but. She really doesn't seem to know when to quit. And I do think that that's got to be really hard to deal with somebody like that who just who antagonizes, who antagonizes, who antagonizes. And it's kind of like, what is your end goal? Like you surely you're trying to get a reaction. I don't think she's, you know, trying to get it and like provoke her into a physical fight. But like, what is the end goal when you're when you're treating so-called friends like that, when you're just just sort of picking at them and, you know, screaming, what are you going to do? Drag me. I mean, that like. <laughs> Like that line alone, it's kind of like it doesn't mean that she deserved it, but it's kind of like, well, like, what are you trying to do then to this person? Like, what's your goal? Do you think in that moment, the night of the altercation, she was saying that in a provocative way? Or do you think she was referencing a line that has become somewhat iconic? It could be a combination of the two or neither. I think it could be I think I think it was definitely a throwback to that line but it also seemed like a bit of a taunt of like well you didn't do it then you're a coward you don't have you don't have the guts like there was something about it that that felt a bit like why reference that if if not to like make a point um so yeah I don't know I just the thing that sticks out to me is this is somebody who and like they've all been they've all gotten into it with each other multiple times like Ashley the first season like or the second mm. season just wouldn't let mm. stuff go with Robin and it was really mm-hmm. sort of it, I felt similarly like what what is your deal like why can't you just let this go why can't you take no for an answer why can't you hear this um and so it's actually been nice to see how she has grown up and moved on and like mm-hmm. s- like changed and grown and so it's definitely possible um 
but I, the thing that surprises me is the number of times in reunions or after the fact when when someone will say like well candace you know you did x andy will say that you did x what do you, you regret it and she just immediately is like no i didn't do anything she will never take responsibility for anything even things where she is so clearly wrong mm-hmm. and like and that just i'm like that seems like a really difficult person to continue to have a relationship with who is continue who is like not who also doesn't seem to have remorse for any of of the behavior that I'm like that it is also to me not acceptable behavior. It's so interesting that you're saying this because I feel myself disagreeing somewhat with the asterisk that I really dislike Candace as a person. <laughs> she's incredibly toxic. I think she is a perpetual victim. I think what she is going through with her mother, which is an endless cycle of emotional and sometimes physical abuse, mm-hmm. which P.S. the women made a joke of at the yep. reunion by saying, you know, did you run in? Her mom did too with you mm-hmm. ran into the purse or whatever. It's interesting that that was funny and something yep. to make light of and something that could almost be used to rehumiliate her and yet now the idea of physical violence albeit on camera between right. cast members at a totally different level is verboten and never to never to be discussed or addressed it's it's kind of interesting when you think about like the respectability politics yeah. of it too it wasn't used at all with her mom somehow it's now at the forefront now but mm-hmm. um you know with Candace I have a lot of issues with her um, I take a lot of issue with her, with the manner in which she does only see herself as someone who is uh, reactive for a reason, mm-hmm. that she doesn't feel like she needs to take responsibility because there's always a reason why she explodes. And yet she seems dumbfounded at the idea that Monique would respond similarly to her right, own, right. Um, you know, frustration or difficulty taking responsibility and yet in the last couple episodes I personally and I could be in the minority on this didn't really see Candace triggering her I saw Mm. Candace trying to de-escalate she did and I yes I should have said like the episode at the lake house was sort of heartbreaking because you're like oh man she's finally doing the right thing and it's like a little too late to now and it was really sad to watch that because it did she was trying, and and that was really nice to see. Uh, I don't think she was trying nearly as hard at at the winery, but she, I, I agree that she wasn't being as antagonistic as she certainly has in the past. It's interesting that you're talking about Monique being, which is sort of different than feeling provoked, of which. You know, it sounds like you're you saw both instances of her feeling provoked at mm-hmm. um, the pre altercation um, scene as well as, you know, feeling and being it. It's interesting that you're saying that because when I watch the altercation itself, regardless of what happened at the lake house, of which I feel somewhat similarly, it felt like Monique was trying to provoke Candace, not mm. just with the hair the touch of the hair, but also the way that she was talking about whatever Candace, yada, yada, drunk, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there were phrases and throwaways that she used that it felt like she really didn't need to except that we all understand the frustration about Candace that she felt the betrayal, which is like the word of the day. When I think about, you know, their friendship and what it's come to, 
And so, you know, when there's this scene of Monique talking with her pastor and, and firstly, or Reverend, I'm Jewish. I don't, I don't know. Pastor, Reverend, church think, personality. I, think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. President. Her, her spiritual leader. <laughs> spiritual leader, spiritual advisor. <laughs> and first lady, which P.S. is an expression I didn't know about until watching Potomac. I'm extremely into it. Um, so, you know, talking about them and having a very vulnerable conversation and, and, you know, this couple that she obviously respects and um, and feels comfortable, you know, revealing herself to talking about the fact that she really was in fight or flight position at that mm -hmm. moment is interesting because at a certain point, it actually doesn't matter what Candace said or how totally. she behaved because I think Monique like deep inside had been clenched in this feeling. She knows these people who she's sort of forced to film with are trying to, in many ways, just genuinely ruin her family. They're trying yeah. to say things involving her children, which is like crossing so many lines. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, and she just feels like she needs to fight back. And for her, I guess that just translated itself as, you know, uh, what are you going to do, drag me? And she's just thinking like, okay, you know, fight or flight. I'm not right. walking away right now. She felt like she had no choice. And in that moment, the fight translated itself from, you know, passive aggressive or aggressive conversation to mm -hmm. unfortunately physical contact, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that the she felt provoked whether or not she was is absolutely yeah. true. And I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, and obviously, you know, like that's there's ultimately sort of no excuse. Like even if mm -hmm. like even if that had even if she even if Candace had been spreading those rumors on camera, I, you, it's still not exactly a justification for leaping across the table or, you know, doing whatever. Um so, yeah, it's really complicated. And and I think that's actually what makes makes it so interesting is that there are no there are no winners here. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone is is I mean, I think well, that's not true. I think some people are, you know, sort of clearly on Candace's side and are not like interested in hearing that for them. The physical violence is sort of the end of the story. I think for me, what jumps out is as somebody who is is fairly uncomfortable with all of the screaming that happens on these shows. Screaming is obviously not the same as hurting some, but like physically grabbing somebody. They're just not. We know that. But I do think I can see how being screamed at or being in screaming matches would be like, I find it upsetting just to watch. And I know that if somebody were doing that to me again, it wouldn't make me think like, oh, I can grab you now. Like I recognize mm -hmm. the difference between those things. But I do think that like yelling can obviously be abusive. It can be a, it can be a way to to intimidate, to provoke, to hurt. And so I do think that like, I think that was one of the things I kind of wanted to make the point of with my article, which is that we've seen them do things that don't rise to the level of physical violence, but that are not great. Whether mm -hmm. you're saying from like a, an image of black women point perspective or just from like a being a person in the world perspective, I don't look at screaming at people as like a cool and nice thing to do or something that I'm, <laughs> that I'm fine with, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot. And, and I think the thing with Monique is that she, you see her sort of get so close so many times in these past couple episodes and, mm -hmm. and then just take this turn and you're like that not that wasn't it like you, mm -hmm. you come on like you know we're rooting for you but you're just you're not getting there you're not you're not get you know and and it, that's been interesting too is this like her her when she's like uh, no I am I I don't feel remorse because there was something about that that I was like oh I I think what's happening here is like sometimes when you have a big argument with somebody or you're really upset with somebody 
you don't feel remorse for a little while until you go talk to somebody else about it. And then they're like, I I love you, but here's why you're wrong and you need that. And I think that's what she needed in that moment. So when she was saying, I don't feel remorse, I didn't get the feeling that she never would. And then she kind of said something to the effect of like, I need to I need to spend more time with this. I'm still too, you know, I'm still too full of adrenaline. And that totally rang true to me that like she needs people to explain to her why this was so bad or how this was different and she wasn't getting that she was just getting all this judgment and them just saying like you're a bad person and and one of the things I found when I was researching my book is if you want to get an apology you shouldn't attack the person you should talk about the thing they did and the problem like as soon as you tell somebody that they're broken they're not going to like they're going to shut down because they like they feel unfixable and it makes people really defensive and so watching them just go after her so hard Versus everything Karen was doing, I was like, this is textbook, right? When she when she's like, Monique, you fucked up, mm-hmm. but I'm I but I'm going to walk with you on this journey. I was like, th- like, that's the thing. Like, if you genuinely want somebody to change or to see the error of their ways, to me, that's the way to get them there is to sort of be direct and honest, but be coming from a place of genuine care and empathy. And that's not what the other women were doing. And I'm like, well, no wonder she's getting defensive because they're they're kind of back to attacking and like that's not going to work. So I'm, I, I I had this feeling of like with more time and the right conversations with the right people, I think she's going to get there. I think that's what the rest of this season is going to be is her journey. And then she, she talked to her pastor for five minutes and was suddenly having this breakthrough. And I was like, yeah, that needed to happen a week mm-hmm. ago, right? Like right. you just need somebody who can like who can speak to you and who you care about and respect enough to listen to to get through to you in those moments. And I felt like that's kind of what happened with the most recent episode. There's such a difference between accountability and shame. Mm -hmm. And when shame is used as a weapon, which it was in that room, it's just going to compound defensiveness that is already obviously present. And the difficulty for me is, you know, I watched that scene in the room where the women are having this conversation where it feels to me as a viewer that they are shaming her. And, you know, I want to talk to you about respectability politics and really unpack that. But it's hard for me empathizing with with Monique, which I do to grapple with those tweets that she had sent right after right. the which is worse to me than like spreading whatever bullshit to the blogs regardless of whether mm-hmm. she understood that her reality of the wine being tossed isn't the actual factual reality of what happened and I thought Robin did a really good job of unpacking what you are saying is not what the truth and this mm-hmm. is the order and the ways in which you are wrong um, which I thought she did really respectfully and was obviously mm-hmm. frustrated by it, which was understandable. Um, but the tweets that Monique sent of like, ask and ye shall receive. <laughs> right. That's tough because that feels to me like she is celebrating a physical a, a physical assault. And, you know, when you see Candace crying at the idea that this woman hasn't even called her and apologized, I mean, I think that... We're not even thinking of the legal stuff when it comes to that aspect of it. I just think if someone puts hands on you and they're a co-worker, by the way, and not an absolute stranger, the absolute least that you can do is not be gleeful about it. Right. You know, that makes it so much more complicated when it comes to empathy and accountability because... I mean, I listen, I don't agree with with Monique that words are worse than physical violence, but I would feel harmed if I was Candace seeing that tweet and seeing someone celebrating an attack like that's not great (laughs) it's not ideal to me I mean yeah I really what I want for Monique is sort of 
I'm like, what's your like, what's your story with like, did you have you been in fights before? Did you get into yeah, fights when you were younger? I'm like, did more. you just go to like a high school mm-hmm. where people got into fights regularly and like then they rolled with it and like so that this is totally like this feels normal and because mm-hmm. there feels like some kind of like disconnect there mm-hmm. that like we're all looking at this and being like, no, no, that's not the thing. And and I don't think it's that like she's just a terrible person. I'm like, please, I, I'm I'm like begging you to explain to me what you're thinking when you're tweeting these things. You know what I mean? And, and it does feel a bit like. Like there's a, a level of and, I, and I've seen some comments th- on Twitter and on Reddit that are like fighting isn't that big of a deal. Everyone's just being overdramatic. And I think that's mm. really interesting because I, I, I don't think it's not a big deal. But I'm like mm-hmm. there's some kind of connection here to me that like there are people I think who think that. And I'm wondering I'm like Monique is Monique one of those people where like mm-hmm. you 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 know sort of like kick someone's ass and you're, you're like fine with it the next mm-hmm. day or it's not it doesn't lead to weeks of sit downs. And, and I, I would love a little bit more of her thinking on this because Mm -hmm. it not to like justify it or anything but just so everyone else could be like got it okay I understand why you're saying that now let's let's talk about why that like doesn't hold true in the Mm -hmm. real world or with your coworkers or ever like just there feels like some kind of like total mismatch of an understanding of like what what physical violence means Mm -hmm. and it's interesting you know we're watching her on camera the last couple weeks certainly last week come in with this defensive idea and the idea that you know words are as violent as physical violence and this week there seems to be a little bit more of a reckoning with her pastor and coming to that um understanding and and and, uh opening up the door of vulnerability of like oh wow I really did harm someone in a Mm -hmm. way that um regardless of how I feel about them was undeserved Right. And yet now in press, she's shifted back to, I think, maybe a, a more understandable strategy in how she's expressing these things. But a similar place to where she was initially, which is mm-hmm. this was deserved. And I'm trying to understand how it circled back to the beginning, Same. especially when we see previews of these moments where she's like, wow, I really need to fucking apologize. I really fucked up and I feel shame because I'm in a situation with spiritual leaders who I trust, who I respect, who are introducing me to the idea that my way of thinking is wrong and possibly harmful. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like such a door that's being open to vulnerability that when exactly did it get slammed shut? Yeah, there's a there's definitely a weird sort of timeline and fourth wall thing happening here, which is mm-hmm. I saw something I think it was a, an Instagram story or like a live where she was saying like basically was saying like well, they don't really want us talking about this much more like mm-hmm. a lot of this is going to be answered over the course of this season and I'm getting the sense that like this will be reckoned with and resolved but they don't want to sort of give away the ending of the season which makes this really weird where it's like then she needs to not be doing press where she's expected to react the way she did at the time the way she she, there's sort of this expectation that she needs to feel right now Mm -hmm. in the way that she's feeling in the episodes that are aired so as not to give away the ending and like that's not great like it's making her look bad and and it sort of feels silly because we kind of know where this surely is going it's Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like how can you not at some point realize that like you got to you got to let this go. You, you were wrong and you need to apologize. Um, so I'm I'm wonder. I can't quite un, uh, totally get to the bottom of what's mm-hmm. going on there. But like it's not it's not helping. It's not working well. It's not it's not looking good. And 
I, I'm just sort of like, does she just need to stop doing interviews for a little bit and stop talking about this until enough happens that like all is revealed and it's okay? Like it just feels like the the attention on it is sort of making things worse. God. I don't I mean like they've told the cast no longer to do Instagram lives. Mm. which is something. And I think it was because there were moments that were maybe being too revealing. I wonder if some of the feeling of this will all make sense in the end is related to what we saw in the mid-series, mid-season trailer of some sort of moment of something. I don't know if it Mm -hmm. ends up being actual physical contact, but some sort of, God forbid I use the phrase altercation, between between the Darbys and the Bassets. And I wonder if Mo- what Monique is going to try to express once that airs or in the lead up is this is the kind of person that I've been telling you all along yeah. I was dealing with, which is still not an excuse for her no, behavior. It's not. But it does at least unpack the idea of being triggered and the fact that one could make the argument. I don't know how much of it I I truly believe I empathize with it that this is the kind of personality that I'm dealing with where she can bring someone to the level of I don't know if it's the husbands who get into it it appears that it is and the wives then rush over but that it can create such toxicity that the only result of that is like toxicity heightened you know Mm mm-hmm it's tough, man. It's tough to unpack it. And and part of that unpacking it is what I've referenced, which is, you know, this piece that you wrote for Vice, unpacking respectability politics, which I keep feeling like every time I say that out loud, I'm like, am I using the right words? Um, <laughs> but can you talk a little bit about what that is, which is um, your writing was a, a direct result of the scene of the women gathering with Monique for that strange shame intervention mm-hmm. um, where they're saying to her, you know, you've harmed us, us meaning like a group or the group of black women because of your behavior. Can you mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about respectability politics and how that plays into the season of Potomac? Yeah. So respectability politics is typically applied to black people, but it can really work with any marginalized group mm-hmm. but like we'll we'll use that for the sake of this conversation because that's how it was originally defined and it's basically the idea that if if people from a marginalized group want to be treated better if they want civil rights or you know to basic dignity they need to act deserving of it you need to you need to talk right you need to not be this way or that way you can't you can't do anything associated with the stereotypes because the idea is you can't give white people an excuse you can't give them a reason you can't give them proof that they are right about us Mm -hmm. um so it it takes a lot of different forms um it, you know, it's it's very like pull up your pants, pull up your baggy pants and stop having kids out of wedlock and, you know, maybe you won't get harassed by the cops. Like it's really ugly and really insidious and 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 just incorrect. And, and we know that, you know, and um, I, I read some interesting articles when I was researching this about the ways in which like, yeah, in certain situations at certain times, it can be a strategic decision that is like helpful short term um but it is by no means um 
it doesn't work every time. It's not a guarantee. I think we are starting to all realize, like, no matter how good you are, no matter what you do, like, as long as somebody, you know, as long as you have an encounter with with a racist, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And but it's often used to sort of shame people within a group to behave a certain way. And there's this idea that, you know, one person's behavior is going to be reflect is going to reflect all of us that if racists are going to say, well, you did this, so that justifies that, you know, my terrible racist thoughts. Um, like there's this this strange thing that happens where it's like, well, they're going to think that anyway, and now you've given them a reason to instead of being like, it's messed up that they think that. And so individuals are expected to, you know, behave as a credit to the race all the time. And it's like no, you know, white people don't have that burden when they mm-hmm. mess up. No one's thinking like, well, you've made all white people look bad. So it's this unnecessary burden that then gets hammered home. Like so you're getting the <laughs> you're getting like the shame from two sides. You know, really, and it, it really deprives black people of the right to just be flawed and human and make mistakes that are just representative of them and not the whole group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like what these women were saying was your behavior was reprehensible, not even because of the behavior itself, but because which, you know, turns a little bit when she's when Monique is equating words to physical um, altercations, yada, yada. But the idea that you are doing harm to all black women and have brought shame to all black women, which is more about shaming her as a human person Mm -hmm. than it is as someone who chose, you know, (laughs) physical intervention. Right. Um, (laughs) It's just compounding the shame of it. And to hear that on you know, when you know you're being filmed mm-hmm. to know that that is how these women are portraying you. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have felt like, but it was very upsetting to me as a white woman, Bravoholic viewer to watch these women bring so much shame to Monique as a black woman, mm-hmm. I just kind of like it took my breath away a little bit because I just felt like let's focus on the behavior itself. You right. know, it just totally. felt it felt unfair. And it also it felt like most of it was coming from Wendy um, and Giselle. Giselle, mm-hmm. who has a history of sort of wanting to bury Monique, you know, starting Mm -hmm. with this whole rumor for this season, but going back to when they first um, met. And with Dr. Wendy, I thought like, sorry, did we not just see you lose your mind at the lake house? What the fuck are you talking about? I could not get over how she was just conveniently ignoring to me, one of the most, unprovoked and over the top moments on the history of this show like when that happened I was just like whoa what what like she was it was so unprovoked you know she's screaming that's why I'm not friends with fake ass bitches and it's like you don't even know them like this you just met these people this is Mm -hmm. so odd this is so over the top and Mm -hmm. the thing that was really interesting is that for whatever reason they attempted to like bring her back into the fold you know Giselle is kind of feeding her the like maybe you're just really stressed out right now about your children and that and like I'm like that was so absent with Monique and it's I you know there's many reasons that could be the case but I was really shocked that she seems to have conveniently forgotten how she just behaved on this very show and how like that doesn't reflect well on her like leaving all black women out of it like I that that's just not a good look and to turn around and shame somebody seemed 
just utterly bizarre to me because it, it betrayed this complete lack of self-awareness that I, I know is like common on reality shows, but still was shocking to see. How much of the idea of being like classist played into how these women saw Monique's behavior? Like the idea of, we don't know a lot about Monique's background, but the idea of what these women were saying, you know, specifically, you know, Candace used phrases that were very triggering to me or like incredibly mm-hmm. problematic and feel racist to me as a white woman. Like the idea mm-hmm. of calling her like a ghetto, whatever. It makes me very uncomfortable yeah. to say it out loud, to be honest. Um, but it all sort of feels to me like it's playing into ugly stereotype racist tropes that do have like an underlying something having to do with the manner in which Monique grew up like is there something that were there using that as an additional weapon against her maybe Monique didn't come from a family like as you said in your piece where she had a trust fund and her mom paid all her bills you know like Mm -hmm. she lives a very comfortable nice life she has I'm guessing way more money than anybody else in that cast and more money than many of the women on the other franchises yeah (laughs) and because they can't use that against her they can't do the like Gina Casita of it all in Orange County of like you live in a tiny house they are playing (laughs) into her um potentially I don't know anything about Monique's background but the idea of her childhood where she grew up which is something she has absolutely no control over right right yeah it feels there's definitely something there we don't have quite enough info to go on but it feels to me a bit like a new a new money thing or a a bad upbringing thing and it, it does feel like they're sort of reaching for whatever they can because it seems that she is clearly the she is the wealthiest of them but I think that there's a lot of focus on you know the right kind of money um I I don't know that we have enough evidence to say that like hers is the the wrong kind because you know Sharice was also married to an athlete and like had you know sort of Mm -hmm. that similar well then and that's true of Robin as well so it's not like a clear-cut thing but I definitely think Candace in particular is choosing these really loaded terms that are that are it, it is it is associating Monique with poor people for a reason, you know, and and so many things that Candace has done and said over the years is to me an attempt to distance herself from the wrong kind of black people, quote unquote, you know, like there's something there. And I think it's interesting to see what happens when like when everyone has a lot of money that doesn't really work, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not true, but there's still an att- there's still this desire and this attempt to to make that association and to insult somebody by saying like, you're not really like us, you're not really one of us there's and and that again it's just it's so nasty it's just so and like it's not necessary like you can the, the, that's the other thing that's wild to me is that Candace sort of had the the moral high ground here and and still does to some degree but it's like you don't need to go there like and you don't need to continue to go there but it's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that we've seen her go there before we're seeing her double down on that like it's not the thing that she said in the moments, the thing she's continuing to say. Mm-hmm. I think she thinks that way ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Like that tells us a lot about her and how and, and it and how she thinks about other people. And it's really disappointing. And it's it's disappointing from all of them, but you can be upset with somebody. She she didn't, you know, she didn't jump up and say like 
fuck you. She didn't, you know, she didn't say fuck you, you crazy bitch. Like that would have not been great or nice or like good from many other perspectives. But like the place she immediately went was ghetto ass hood ass bitch, like this hood rat ass bitch. Like that, there's a reason she's reaching for those. And it just felt really ugly to me. And it felt like she was saying, like, aha, I always knew you were this yes, person. Yes. You revealed yourself. Guess what? Surprise. I was right. This is who mm-hmm. you are. Which yeah. is such a, <laughs> I mean, it's such a shitty It's really shitty. to use. I just think that's, we're talking about the trauma that these women have used against each other and given to each other essentially and I don't know what's more traumatizing I mean there's harm to be seen in all ways but the shame of that because the idea of the shame of it from like society you know but to have that used against you as a example of your dark character being revealed And that reveal is related to, like, the manner in which you were raised, which Monique would have absolutely no control over. Right. And how impressive to me is the idea that potentially, if this is based in any kind of truth, if Monique grew up in a background where she didn't have many financial resources and she's fucking drinking Camus $200 wine with a straw (laughs) right now versus... (laughs) Candace, who grew up with financial resources her parents gave to her, which came with it didn't come free. It came as a result of dealing with a lot of abuse, which Mm -hmm. she's still putting up with. She's only now paying her mortgage for her mother's house that she lives Mm -hmm. in. She's imaginary looking at multimillion dollar homes and she's not able to seemingly support herself. I would even say like emotionally, you know, like Mm -hmm. plus everything else. I don't know if I had to pick a life, I would probably go with Monique's. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, I don't remember. I think this may have gotten cut from my final article, but in one of the first drafts that I wrote, I had um, written about, there's a scene in the, the last reunion where they end with Monique or with Candace calling, some, something hood rat behavior mm-hmm. or hood behavior and then Andy turns to Candace and says have, and he's kind of like jokingly smiling he's like have you ever exhibited hood behavior he's he's, he's got a wink and a smile on his face mm-hmm. and she just immediately says no and 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 Monique is sitting across the stage and she's kind of laughing and she's like you are hood even the way you tweet is hood and she's not saying it in a malicious way at all she's laughing about it and then mm-hmm. Candace starts yelling at her like no you're hood and 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 Monique goes, yeah, I'm from the hood. And I was like, thank you, because it was the first time somebody had said on this show, there's nothing wrong with that, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was such a relief. And I I think that ultimately Candace is saying all these things to Monique. And I actually don't know how much they get to her at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. calling her those names, because she's she's doing pretty well for herself. Now, I don't I think if you want to get under her skin, calling her ghetto isn't the way to do it. It's like going after her family and, and, and her character mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's 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 ultimately a, if you're trying to hurt her, that's not going to work. And it reveals so much more about your own character in doing so. And it also is like shitty to the people watching. I I was watching an Instagram story that Monique posted where she was taking questions and somebody said something to the effect of like, what, how do you feel about all the people saying things are ghetto? Like I'm, I'm ghetto or I'm, you know, and, and that made me feel really bad. And it like really bummed me out that that like that viewers are feeling 
bad Shame. hearing that. And yeah. and I yeah, and I don't think that like anyone is really thinking about that, that like these words are harmful on multiple levels, even if they don't harm the person that you're trying to harm, they are still bad and like you know, maybe don't, maybe, maybe don't do that or get get to the bottom of why why you want to do that because they ultimately just feel really nasty and ugly and, and kind of anti black to me when when they're and again with Candace it's it's part of a long history of her having a lot of feelings about other people's money and where they get that money. You know, when mm-hmm. she's going so hard after Ashley and her relationship with her husband and accusing her of concubine-ass shit and, and has a lot of feelings about Ashley having a white husband as though she doesn't also have a white husband. Like, it's so strange. Is it just that Ashley's white husband is rich? Is that the problem? It, I mean, probably. But, like, it is a very bizarre thing to me that she has so many strong feelings about that. When when the whole premise is of the show of housewives is like women who have money often from husbands like that mm-hmm. to, to, to sort of use that as an insult just surprises me it makes me kind of sad like the idea that viewers are watching the show and feeling like they've like they feel a little bit of shame because of the methods in which these women are trying to like hurt each other. And I just like think then like, where's the safe space? Because this is a cast that is all black women and you're looking at a time in Bravo when they're having their own reckoning with race and racism. You know, there's a, a franchise that just began a new season that features a liquid racist, um, not the first on Orange County, but one who's certainly making a lot of waves, waves that are um, crashing into the network that the network doesn't seem in any way interested in responding to. And it just makes you think like, if Potomac, I mean, I guess that's the whole concept with systemic racism, right? Like, yeah. This is the whole problem here is that right. even um, in a cast uh, in which viewers can potentially see themselves, if you're a black bravoholic, there are still um, obviously apparent issues emblematic mm-hmm. with um, respectability pro- uh, politics or a myriad of other concerns where you could watch this and not feel good, which is a very different, I would say, experience being a black Bravoholic than a white one. It's just yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no comparison. There really no. isn't. And I found myself feeling frustrated at Bravo that this was the framing that they let happen, sort of unchecked. Because mm-hmm. I, I do, I kept waiting for Ashley or Karen. Mm-hmm. I was really looking to Ashley to chime in and to to on screen explain the problem mm-hmm. with what they were saying and that didn't happen and and I was like can can no one like feed her this in a in a confessional or anything to get somebody to correct this for the audience watching because it, it just felt like the and that was part of why I wanted to to write this piece because I was like is no one going to say this and like to all of the people watching this we're just going to go with this version of of things like yes what they are saying is true if you when you do this it's bad for all black women and we're not going to challenge that for the viewers at home we're not going to make these women sort of grapple with their own hypocrisy or the the reality and the consequences of the things that they're saying mm-hmm. and even i i was hoping it would happen in like a watch what happens live or something i'm like waiting for bravo to like you know i'm like look alive come on here like we need you need to mm-hmm. there's something about just presenting this with absolutely no critical lens on it at Mm -hmm. any point that feels really irresponsible to me and they do um 
for some of the franchises, they have an after show where it's like additional mm-hmm. exclusive content and the women's reactions to the behaviors. And they the after show for this week for Potomac had a producer um, from Potomac talking about the altercation with a guy who I'm completely going to fuck up his name. I think it was like Josh Miller. He's the VP of whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they were talking about... Uh, I think it, content. I don't even know, but somebody, somebody, fr- somebody representing the network, which mm-hmm. is a perspective that's actually interesting to have. It's super un- interesting. It's unusual uh, to have talking heads with members of production or the network. It's typically the wives and you can sometimes see the producer asking them questions. Um, so in that sense, it was great, except that they were really talking about the, we never wanted this to happen. We never wanted right. to come to this. Oh, Potomac, it would never happen on Potomac. And then it happened. And it just felt like, this is not really the counter that we no. needed. And it no. would have been helpful for all of us to have just a little bit of something else. And we're not getting it. And it just, yeah. you know. It, and, and, yeah. and it's like, you know, like, I don't know if Andy Cohen has the range and that's fine. But like, this is what happens <laughs> when you have when you're ta- when you're talent, when everyone involved in something, you know, is white when the people who are going to weigh in are white and the people who you're choosing to bring on you know Wendy Williams was the guest for that watch what happens live and immediately echoed the same things that are in the show and I'm kind of like you know if you had if you had recognized that there was a problem with this and you had wanted to counteract it you could have chosen strategically somebody who could have done that and you did not do that and I don't know if it's that they didn't have the the understanding of what if you know I'm like I don't know if 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 Andy Cohen and people at Bravo know sort of who can articulate our respectability politics and feel comfortable then saying this, you know, I think that white people are often sort of scared to to do anything in these moments. So they're just like going to sit back and just listen, which is the right instinct. But like you some you need people in the room who can who can offer some perspective and and recognize that, like, just because somebody black said something doesn't mean it's automatically good and correct and we we shouldn't think it through or challenge it in any way can i read a little snippet of your piece because the Mm -hmm. um a part of it i just uh you know when i was rereading it today just kind of um uh, stuck with me um so guys this is a a piece written for vice that it's going to be linked in the show notes I wanted to believe that in the past couple of years, everyone has started to acknowledge that being the quote unquote right kind of black person won't save us and to push back on the idea that it will. We know now that there's virtually no acceptable way to protest for civil rights, no right way to go for a run, no right way to sleep at home in your bed. And yes, the summer of 2020 drove this point home, but it wasn't a secret last year when the show was filmed. We know damn well that black girls and women are not pushed out of school and more likely to die in childbirth and policed as mothers because we are quote unquote ghetto or quote unquote hood rats. This shit keeps happening to us because of racism. I know what it's like to not feel like you can make any mistakes and to be perfectly aware that any fuck up on the part of you or other people will be used against the entire group. But we should intellectually wait, but we should be. (laughs) It's good that I fucked up the word intellectually, (laughs) but we should be intellectually honest and admit the terrifying thing that racists don't need a reason to justify their behavior and that we'll never be able to do enough to appease them. 
controlling your emotions, being the perfect wife and mother, always being classy, never being angry or loud or messy. These things may buy you a little time or a little relief, but they ultimately won't guarantee that we, Candace or Monique or me or any of us, are safe forever. The game is rigged and it always has been. The literal least we can do is not do racist work for them. I mean, I think that's really powerful. Jesus, Rachel. My God. (laughs) I'm just reading this and feeling like it's so important that you're doing this work and doing this writing. I mean, in many ways, it's the mission of Andy's Girls is to really unpack the motivation and and psychology behind the decisions these women are making on screen. And I hope that in some ways this pod acts as a counter, you know, where Mm -hmm. we're talking about the things on camera. We're talking about our issues, not only in the actual behavior, but the ways in which it's edited, displayed, maybe Mm -hmm. even talked about in the Bravo world. And I think it's important for Bravo viewers to have access to pieces like these. If you're someone like me who knew that I felt strange about the manner and, and execution of that scene, but wasn't quite sure exactly how to express now, you know, this piece, for example, gave me the language and the understanding that I didn't have before I read it. And I think that's really important because I think that in the time in which we're living, which is fucking crazy, <laughs> um, it's important as we watch these shows and have an understanding for sometimes the problematic nature of them, that there is a counter. And if, Bravo, the network can't provide it, which I understand it is a TV network, regardless of some of their inherent responsibilities, which is uh, obvious when it comes to some of these other franchises, um, that it's important to have writing like this available, you know, because I think that it only makes us us. It only makes us better as viewers, as fans and as people, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. that it's helpful. And I'm so happy that you're watching housewives now. And I hope that you continue writing about it. I mean, is that a conversation that you're having with the folks at vice or wherever else? Um, you know, not exactly. I think okay. this, this piece was for me, you know, I don't really write about TV or culture. Mm-hmm. So this was a bit of a, uh, you know, a stretch into something new for me, but I'm, I'm glad that I wrote it. Cause I had this feeling the day after the show, I was talking to a couple people about the show and I was just like, somebody has got to write about the respectability yes. politics. If only someone will write about it. And it was like, it's me. I'm the one who like, it, I'm the one who can, you know, like who, who am I looking to? I'm the one who's watching it and thinking these thoughts. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I have, I don't know that this will be a regular thing that I write about, but I'm like watching and following. The thing that I've got my eye on right now and actually had my eye on before this is this Michael Darby situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I have to say that if, if Monique is fired for this, but he's still allowed to be on the show, like I've got some questions because at what point does it become an unsafe work environment for your crew when this man keeps grabbing people, you know, like I, I, I found the way that they handled that as like drama of the day and like unseen footage. And we're going to, you know, when you go around a reunion and every single woman, it, save for Ashley and Monique kind of gave a, a half hearted answer. But when everyone's saying like, I believe he did it, I heard he did it to other people mm-hmm. on the crew too. I'm like, where is HR on this? Like, at what point are we going to make some changes? And so um, I think if I, if I wrote about anything else, it might be that. Um, and just sort of what, what happens when your crew is being, put in harm's way and Mm -hmm. what do you do about that because I think it's really interesting but also really disappointing how that has been handled and just today there was you know this video going Mm -hmm. around that somebody found from season one where he's he's doing it again and I'm just like of of course he is like 
there's a fan account. I think it broke on Reddit. And apologies that I don't I don't remember the exact source um, uh, to credit them accordingly. But, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a video from, I think, season one at somebody's birthday that very clearly shows Michael literally creeping up to like physically creeping up to a male producer and uh, obviously with no consent grabbing him. And then Mm -hmm. you can see the producer turn around quickly and Michael kind of, I don't even know if this is accurate, but like sort of jump back kind of thing. Almost like I've been caught. Yep. And it's just really gross. And, you know, um, some people were posting some of the press that came out during the most recent, uh, you know, last season's whatever, where he references any conversations about previous incidents and how they're factually incorrect and never happened. And it's juxtaposed with this, you know, five or six second clip, however short it is. Mm-hmm. And there is a moment of like, gotcha, we knew, we always knew, here's proof, we can't believe that production didn't find this, but a fan did, and here's what we all have, and I wonder if Ashley will reference it, whatever else, but also like, what the fuck, this is a guy with serious issues, and if Ashley chooses to stay in a marriage with someone who isn't deserving of her ultimately that's up to her but if he's going to be in an environment where he is doing these things to members of production and the crew I mean I can't really even understand liability because there are so many crosses of liability Mm -hmm. that the network surely is finding themselves in just when it comes to like filming during COVID and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out the safest way to do that but this is a problem i mean are is anyone going to respond to it and even at least apologize to the crew member who filed charges that were dismissed because i hope somebody at bravo hq is giving that person a call and either saying where are you currently working let's make sure that this didn't ruin your career Right, right and also i'm so sorry that this happened you know yeah yeah, I, I they they really handled that in a way that raised a lot of questions, and they didn't really totally communicate what happened. I did some digging after I was watching the original episodes and the reunion, and, and it seems like the crew member was moved to a different show, or and I don't even know if it was Housewives, like maybe something else with this production company. Um, but it was to me, I was like, this is really bad. This is like a a glaring mm-hmm. siren, and how is no one talking about this? And I think I, as somebody who's sort of new to this, I'm like, surely there have been other things where controversy controversy I don't know like bad things possible crimes have happened on on camera but like this is serious like you've got a a man who is around these people a lot putting his hands on them regularly without consent and everyone is aware of it and like he is still allowed to be around them so that's a problem and then I also just am like it puts Ashley in this terrible position I feel so bad I feel bad even talking about it for her sake because I, I, I feel terrible for her. Like, I feel so bad for her. And in, in past seasons, the way he's talked to her has really just, like, it just bums me out. And I, I feel really sad for her. And I hope she is okay. And I hope somebody is asking 
her if she's okay and if and I hope somebody is saying what is what is going on with this guy and are we going to do something about it at some point and I just have to say as a counter to it thank god that Karen was in the room with during the mediation intervention or whatever because I do think she was a counter even if I I don't know necessarily how mm-hmm. great of a job I, I thought she did at mediating but she did her best and I think that she is so important this season as the connective thread and also as someone who can show Monique support and um, not try to shame her at the same time as she's holding her accountable. And I also think the behavior that Ashley and Michael both exhibited in the reunion last season was horrifying when it felt like yeah. they were victim shaming. And for Karen to be the one to step out once, step up rather, once again and say, This mm-hmm. is, I am going to believe people. I believe the accuser. This is my background. This is my history. And the fact that I think Ashley did say she was a survivor of violence or sexual violence mm-hmm. is, um, helpful to know, but it doesn't excuse when you are using yeah. weaponry that has been used against victims since the beginning of time that she herself yeah. is doing it when I feel like she should know better. And this yeah. coming out and being released, it's like, I wonder if she is going to be asked about it in the frame of, you said that none of this ever happened. And you said that whatever happened at Monique's um, event was a result of him like squeezing by somebody. We have proof that he was obviously doing this stuff without mm-hmm. consent. And the reason he was doing it was because he didn't have consent. Like that's the reason that yes. he behaved in this manner. That's yeah. what he's getting off on seemingly. Mm-hmm. So now that you know that it's happened before, are you going to admit that it's happened before? Like, are we going to talk about the fact that what really happened really happened? And obviously, as you can see by the gentleman's reaction to it, he wasn't pleased to be touched. So you can't make this into a joke because it's not Mm -mm. funny to the person who's being violated. Right. You know, like when is that going to come up? Because I think there's a better chance of that coming up, unfortunately, than the respectability politics conversation. I think that's too nuanced unfortunately (laughs) realistically to happen during the reunion but this other element could or should and I'm concerned because Andy has made it made jokes about it before Mm -hmm. that he's not going to hold them accountable but I think because there is genuine proof while it didn't get leaked by the network I would hope that the network would want to respond to it in some way I hope so I I, I'm feeling like this reunion is going to need to be like as long as the episode itself I mean so much is happening this season and there's so much to get into and so much to unpack I mean I'm also just like I don't know that Michael should be at this reunion the last reunion when he was there I was so uncomfortable with how he Mm -hmm. was talking to everybody and like it was just this weird thing where all of these people are sort of saying we think you did this thing. We believe you did this thing. And he's sort of allowed to attack them. And it, it just felt like this This doesn't feel quite right. Like this doesn't feel like quite the right way to mediate a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody who's suspected of assaulting people and the, the people who are accusing him or, or standing by the accuser. It, it was really sort of strange the way it was like it was given the same like this is this is drama. Who said what and who believes what? And it's like this isn't this isn't quite that and he's lashing out and the way he talked to all of the women made me like it made my skin crawl because mm-hmm. I've just I've been around white men who talk to black women like that and the way he talked to all of them I'm like again I'm like how does he talk to Ashley we've seen it like this there's something about this that is really just just like makes my stomach churn in a way that I'm like this is there's got they need to figure out what they're going to do about this because 
you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame anyone at this point for saying they don't want to film with him anymore. And like, that's a completely reasonable thing to say. And I, you know, like I, I it, it's interesting because we have these sort of two related parallel things happening where it's people saying I don't want to film with Monique or, I, you know, like I'm worried about my safety and and these are not obviously not the same thing. But like mm-hmm. if we're talking about forms of assault. It's it's interesting to see the show have to grapple with these two different forms of it and and how they're handling it and like I don't I don't know I don't know what the right move is but I I haven't been totally impressed with how they handled the Michael stuff in past seasons I do have to say just in regard to Monique I don't think that she'll be fired I think that she's so important to the franchise I also do think it is very likely that she will leave and she will be Mm -hmm. one of the few housewives to leave um you know, of her own volition. Like she's not, Mm -hmm. she's not going to be that, you know, person of, Oh, I left to pursue charity. I left to do whatever, blah, 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 which is the coded language for like, I was a hundred percent shit canned. Yeah. Monique could find herself in a very small exclusive group of people who, who truly is unwilling to continue in this show. And I think that's a possibility. I think that's a, I think so too. Possibility. When she she kind of hinted at that during the aftermath episode when she said I don't know if the, like I should be part of this anymore mm-hmm. and to me that was the most honest thing and the most like that to me was the reckoning that I mm-hmm. was sort of waiting for of her to say like even if she can't admit what she did was wrong mm-hmm. she recognizes that like quote unquote that's not me she recognizes that that it wasn't right and mm-hmm. that she doesn't feel good about it and like it is totally fine to say I for multiple reasons, do not want to be in a situation where my private life is constantly up for grabs and put on display. I am too sensitive for it. I'm too easily triggered for it. Like that's who could blame anyone for saying Mm -hmm. I can't do this because it pushes me to the edge in a way that I don't like. Like that is a completely reasonable thing. And and I think fans would be sad to see her go. But I, 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 I don't know how they do it. Like it just seems really, really, really hard to to be uh to have your to you know to have your life up for grabs in this way and have it open to commentary and have people weighing in on everything you've ever done um mm-hmm. so I wouldn't blame anyone who was just like no I won't do that anymore I thought I could handle it but I can't like I don't I don't think that would be an easy thing to handle mm-hmm. and I think I hope she sort of takes stock of her reaction and and really seriously thinks about whether or not she should do this I think everyone on this show should probably do that regularly but when you have when you snap like that like I think you really need to be asking yourself what's going on with me and is this the right place for me right now she doesn't need the show she has you know a marriage that is complicated as I think every marriage probably is um and but she has a partner who supports Mm -hmm. her she has um a fucking ton of money and 900 houses. She has her $200 mm-hmm. bottle of Camus every other day, whenever <laughs> she wants it. Like she doesn't, she's okay. She was okay before the show. She'll be okay after. And mm-hmm. that is sort of frustrating to me. Cause I like want her to stay. I know. <laughs> so totally. Like, yeah. But she, she doesn't. And so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this season. I've said this before in Andy's girls, I, I don't think that Candace will be back and I do not think it will be her choice. I think her saying publicly, I'm not going to come back if Moni comes back is her way to be like, um, they might not ask me back. So I just need yeah. a fallback um, PR position. <laughs> <laughs> and going back to that like mid-season trailer that we're mm-hmm. getting for this second altercation, I think that whether or not Monique is the one to say, see, mm-hmm. I've been telling you this all along, I I think that like 
whether it's the network or the other cast members or the fans, like I think that like a pattern might be emerging that Candace is like not working out and maybe shouldn't, you know, it, it, the, the show this season feels ugly in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't, I don't think anyone wants it to continue. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't think we want it to continue down this path. Like it's, I, I, I don't know. There's there's the drama that feels a bit more like wrestling, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. big and blustery and then there's something uglier. And I, I think no one wants the uglier thing. And maybe we don't get that choice. Like maybe maybe all reality TV like will run into this kind of thing, especially when it's rich women with like rich personal lives and blogs and Instagrams that are revealing all. But um, I think everyone just like misses. Like I don't think anyone wants this to be the whole season because it's not – It's not fun to watch. It's not entertaining. It's, I don't know. I think that happens with a lot of these franchises. There are housewives who are brought in who are essentially terrific casting. They come in. There's this like crazy wild energy. It turns everything on its side. It introduces new conflicts and, and different structures than previously existed. But they also, they burn bright and fast. And so you look at. Brandy Glanville on Beverly Hills. I could say the Kelly Dodd stuff without even who's I can't even begin. But um, these personalities of people who are brought in who immediately get into the thick of things, but they're not meant to be there forever. And Mm -hmm. I look at Candace and I just kind of see a similar personality type just in the sense of somebody who is inherently toxic and very reactive and terrific casting terrific Mm -hmm. casting rather so she's like she comes in she creates a lot of chaos or is at least up surprisingly a part of a lot of chaos and she Uh serves her purpose but she's not going to be there forever versus Karen Mm -hmm. I could see being there a true OG mm-hmm. along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Same with Giselle. Um, yeah. Uh, Robin has more staying power, I think. For even, sure. Even if that little play acting turn at romance was <laughs> so, and I was so embarrassed but for them and for that's why we love her. for suggesting it <laughs> and know. writing the script and saying like, I know. Tanya, put on this wig we got at CVS and give us a solid 15. You know, like it was tough. But with Candace, mm-hmm. it's just like, I think she served her purpose as a housewife and she is so toxic online and IRL and it's just like too much. We don't, this is, we've, we've, we've done it. Like kudos to you, best wishes on your Mm -hmm. companies, you know, and whatever she's working on music, whatever. And we wish you the best, you know, I think that Monique, the choice is up to her. She's sort of telling us she's maybe already made it. And Candace is trying to figure out a way to make us think that she's made it, but it's, I would strongly guess is being made on her behalf. Yeah, I think that's right. Also, you just said something when you mentioned Brandy. I remembered that I have also watched. I watched the second half of Beverly Hills this season and forgot because it was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Whose side are you on, Denise v. Everyone else? I am on Denise's side. Yeah. I um. Well, so I watched because I was like, well, I heard there's going to be some gay shit. And then I was like, oh, this is <laughs> fucked up how they handled this. I don't like this. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, yeah, the way there was some real... There, the scene in which uh, Brandy, you know, is just waiting in the car and just, well, she'll just come and join in. Mm. The way that Kyle and, and what Teddy reacted was just real, like, Regina George. Like, I couldn't have a lesbian at my pool party. Like, there was mm. just, like, a simmering homophobia this throughout that that just, like, didn't sit right with me. And, like, the question of outing is 
is a, a complicated one, but uh, Bravo didn't come out looking great in this, and, and neither did the rest of the women, as far as I'm concerned. But I, I, if I had to guess, like, it seemed like something probably happened, but should that have been on the show? Doubtful. Yeah, the outing of it is tough. Because it felt like it was an outing. There was an outing that was yeah. taking place. And then also the glee that so many of these women participated in. Like what Rinna was saying, IRL, the scissor sisters jokes and everything else. Like, come, you don't get to make those jokes. It's also just like, I mean, there's a whole, like, a lot to unpack there with, like, you know, uh, this network that is very, like, gay male friendly and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, not knowing what to do with queer or potentially queer women that I'm like, I don't, I don't have the answer. But, like, that's something also I'm, like, kind of thinking about and and wondering if other people are picking up on. Um, but again, there when there's no one there to counterbalance that mm-hmm. on screen, mm-hmm. you're just left with these are the things that get out there. And there's no there's no one to say like, no, that was wrong. That shouldn't have happened that way. Well, I would love to have you back on Andrew Scrolls anytime. And I would love to hear your perspective as the season moves on. And as we see a little bit more and understand a little bit more and hopefully understand a little bit more about Monique's perception now of her behavior then like what's mm-hmm. happened in the middle a full year has gone by totally. and so I'm curious to unpack that a little more I have to say that you know you're obviously as I've referenced your vice article 35 and a half times <laughs> um uh your writing is so amazing is there a place that people can go not only to read the vice work but you know tell us a little bit about your book and also um any other writing work that you you know like where people can yeah. access it um, yeah, so my the book that I published in May is called um, The Art of Showing Up, How to Be There for Yourself and Your People. And the first half is about taking care of yourself and figuring out who you are and setting boundaries and, and dealing when things get hard. And then the second half is about like having friendships with other people and being a good friend mm-hmm. through everyday situations and also really serious ones. You know, a lot of the stuff that came up in this episode was so like, I just, it, there's so much in my book about like group dynamics mm-hmm. and how to tell your friend that they're being an asshole and how to deal with somebody confronts you. And so it's, it's, there's so much about this that I'm like just so into. So mm-hmm. if any of that interests people, um, that's in my book, but the easiest way to kind of stay uh, on top of what I'm doing is my blog, which is justgoodshit.com. So every week I just publish a roundup of like, here's all the things that I read this week. Here are the things that I wrote this week. Here's stuff that I like bought or cooked or just like am into. And I also just post there occasionally with like, things I like um just just good shit I like recommending things so I love that's that. the best place to that's to find a, me and then like my URL. links to Instagram and Twitter there thank you um links to everything else are there as well so that's kind of my home base tell um the listeners how to follow you on IG and and uh Twitter yes my my uh handles on both is t-h-e underscore r-e-w-m the room which are my initials so yeah you can find me either place and I should probably I don't tweet I don't tweet or post on Instagram that much I should probably do a little bit more of both but uh I I don't know I'm I'm like a little I've been a little shy to wade into talking about Potomac and stuff online like without like really having time to write a full you know 4,000 words about it I don't just maybe I'll start maybe I'll start live tweeting more you should and Lord knows I'm gonna um uh link to your handle um when this episode goes up so if you're following me on Instagram at Dame Galley guys I'll make sure that your work is included as well this was so amazing um, thank you for having me I, I could have we could have talked about this for three more hours uh, we totally could <laughs> and I, I'm genuinely so curious if you do read up a little bit about the Bethany Cardi B of it all for your perspective because okay. it does feel to me a little bit 
as like some form of respectability politics that's specific okay. to gender and PS just so happens mm. to be targeted from a white woman to two black women, which is uh, an interesting conversation and yeah. one that many people are saying to Bethany on social, many of whom are saying as a black woman, I feel this way. And she's just mm-hmm. cutting them all <laughs> off. Really being super <laughs> that, passive aggressive. And you that know, sounds right. that sounds right for Bethany. And it sounds super yep. wrong for what she's saying. So, um, <laughs> okay. I'm immediately going <laughs> to okay, look into this. And... Maybe we'll do a Patreon or something about that. Um, I would love it. <laughs> and speaking of Patreon guys, new Patreon episode up now, patreon.com slash Andy's girls with myself and Dylan Hafer talking all about Cynthia's wedding in ATL Ooh. with 250 people and like about six masks. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you haven't listened to that it's up now patreon's the number one way aside from leaving andy scrolls a five-star review to support the pod starts at two dollars a month and you get bonus episodes invites to special events and more so a link to join is on the show notes for this week's episode and since i may need to get a new nose at some point in the future <laughs> i would appreciate your support um instagram at dame galley and this was awesome thank you so much for coming on the people yeah, thank couch. you so much and for having me i i hope we get to do this more oh my god we totally will i'm scheduling it in about five and um and it'll be great and guys stay safe register to vote do you have a voting plan in place because that is super ideal and um you know if you don't live here in the states but you have friends or family who do now is the time to slide into their dms and making sure that the conversations that we're having right now about housewives and everything else uh, that you're having with your loved ones also include some really important questions and talks about the most important election that we um are facing so uh Make sure that you're registered to vote. You've come up with a voting plan. Make sure that you're having those conversations with each other. And tell us your thoughts and feels about this week's app. And I'm so excited to talk to you soon. This is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Love. Um, guys, stay safe. Wear a mask. Don't talk about don't talk about Kelly because she's not worth it. <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.